I didn't hear you. Peace and many blessings. Wonderful. We thank the Lord for this evening. We would like to focus on something that is critical for every child of God. From the young to the old, from the clergy to the laity. Amen. We're talking about the enemies of God. The enemies of God. We are deliberating on the enemies of God. And um, let us read a famous psalm, Psalm 68 and verse 1, and then we'll pray. May we read together. Okay, let's read it again. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate him flee before him. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we pray that we will understand your word and you help us to not just understand, but Lord, believe and to Lord operate in your word. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I think that this scripture has been made into a song and many of us know this song and whenever this song is raised we are very very excited because we know that God is going to fight all our battles for us. Amen. And many times when you are in a prayer meeting and um, the prayer meeting is about ourselves it's very calm but as soon as the, the shifting moves to the enemies of God or our enemies, you realize that a lot of people become very excited. Not excited as in very happy, but there is a lot of energy. The prayer momentum goes higher. The volume goes higher. The words go higher. Everything just shifts because the, the enemies, the concept of enmity is something that provokes reaction. Everybody wants to be always safe. Amen. Now, this psalm, whenever we hear this psalm, I wonder what goes on in our minds. Who do you think your enemy is? Re- who, who do you think is God's real enemy? Hallelujah. What you say, let God arise. Let the enemies of God be scattered. Who are we talking about? Hallelujah. I'm very sure somebody will say Satan. It's true. Then we also have Demons, my friend, witches, eh? And wizards. Isn't that so? So, yes, it's true. Satan, the arch enemy of God, the scripture describes him as an enemy. But tonight, I pray that God will open our eyes, not just to the enemy without, but also sometimes the enemy within. So that we'll be conscious that even we who are rejoicing that God should arise may not end up being the enemies of God. Amen. There's something about God that is really interesting. And it's about the fact that God is love. But God also has wrath. You know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
Then the scripture also says that God becomes angry or becomes upset with people, with humanity or with other creation and then his wrath is poured down. It's two sides of God. So First Peter 5, 8 tells us that the arch enemy of God is Satan. It says we should be vigilant, be careful. Our enemy, the devil, is moving around. The adversary, the devil. Adversary means enemy, opponent, as a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. So, where do we begin? Are there, I would say that there are general conditions or general enemies of God. And I'm going to explain this. There are relationships and conditions that when we find ourselves in, it, they automatically place us as enemies of God. Hallelujah. You don't have to say that I'm an enemy of God to be an enemy of God. You don't have to declare war against heaven or against God to be an enemy of God. You don't have to say, oh, from today, I'm like some recently somebody sued God in Italy or somewhere there. For all the troubles on the earth, blah, 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 I sued God. You don't have to do that and say, I'm suing God for these troubles. For you to be an enemy of God. You don't have to open your mouth or decide that today I'm going to mobilize military troops. Wherever God is, me and him, we will meet. Or my troops versus God will fight. Then we become enemies of God. When nations are about to have a war, usually there is a declaration of war. An action. And we know about the First World War, the Second World War, uh, the issue of the, the prince of Austria and all of these cases that have happened. And then the, 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 the Second World War also to do with Hitler and all of that. Most of it, the, the action might have been taking place, but people would not act until something provokes and says, from today we have declared war. So for war declaration, in this, in, when it comes to God, is not what makes a person an enemy of God. Hallelujah. Consciously or unconsciously, a person or a group of persons or a nation or an establishment can be enemies of God by association, by consent, or by not even consenting to certain things. One can be an enemy of God. That's why we need to be careful. Enmity against God is not cast in uh, normal uh, Letters, like today we are having situation with um, North Korea and America, and they say, oh, uh, don't, 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 don't uh, 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 throw your missiles or your nuclear bombs in this area or in that area. Then you do it, and then the other reacts by bombing your nation. It's not like that. Because sometimes, even unconsciously, we find ourselves in enmity with God. And that's why we must pay attention to the subject of being not being enemies of God. Last few weeks, I think Pastor Bimpon spoke about 
friends, friendship with God. And we should aspire to be friends with God rather than to be enemies of God. Amen. Now, number one group of enemies are the enemies of Jesus. Matthew 12, 30 says that he that, give me the amplified version of that, please. Matthew 12, 30. He who is not with me, definitely not on my side, is against me. And he who does not definitely gather with me, and for my side, scatters. He who does not, it means that somebody can be there, in, in, the, in, in, in talking about enmity with God, there is no neutral position. So it means that somebody can be even religious. That's a, the dangerous thing. Sometimes even occasionally even support, go to a church or support a church. Or occasionally support a religious or a good, a good cause. Help charity. Do things that can make things that in our minds we will say, oh God will be happy with. But Jesus said, once he is not, he says, definitely not on my side. Once a person hasn't made a definite choice to support Jesus and to be with Jesus and to defend Jesus, then Jesus says, no, you are, you are against me. So there are many people who have assumed that just because they haven't touched, they haven't spoken against God, they have not blasphemed, they have not lied about God. They have not persecuted Christians. But they too, they are not promoting the agenda of God. And Jesus says, he, he who is not with me, definitely on my side. Made a choice that I want to serve Jesus. So if a person is sitting somewhere, he hears about the God, he hears about church, he hears about the word of God, and he's just indifferent. Is he on God's side or not? Can I hear you? Is he an enemy or a friend of God? He's an enemy. By virtue of the fact that he is not definitely on Jesus' side. Because Jesus is God. Hallelujah. And Jesus said, anybody who is not definite. Definite means that precise. He is not wavering. And then, now take it to another level. He takes it to talks about, and does not definitely gather with me. So it means that you can be sometimes even in church, and if you are, what does the word gather mean? Bring together. Bring together. Go and collect. So somebody is in, uh, 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 you are are gathering fruits. Some, uh, on one acre farm, you have been a farmer for many years. You know what it means to gather. You have palm kernels eh? and other fruits. So when you are gathering, you, you, be at a, you have a central place. You go to the north side of the farm and you collect it and you bring it. And you go to the south side of the farm, the east side, the west side. Some of the things that you are gathering is difficult because the distances are not easy to cover. And yet you bring it all to a central point. 
So that if people are, for example, even in church, and their agenda is to discourage people in church, there's a question mark. Are you with me? So that somebody can be in church, but his or her agenda can be anti-church. Scattering. Anti-God. Anti-Christ. He's not encouraging people. She's not encouraging people to remain in Christ. But to see issues about Christ. Then we have to issue, I mean, discuss the matter with the Lord. Hallelujah. So the scripture says, Jesus said, He who is not definitely on my side is against me. And he who does not definitely gather two things. Being on the side of Jesus. What does it mean to be on the side of Jesus? Sometimes you'll be around a public place. People are talking about God. They are saying things about the kingdom. They are saying things about Jesus. Which side are you on? What do you stand for? What do you say? It says, if you don't say something for Jesus, or in the public space of work, in the environment where there is work, or there is even family, where is Jesus? How central is Jesus in that discourse? Or you are in a position of authority. The scripture says, he who is not with me, definitely not on my side, is against me. So we see that, number one, people who are not openly declared for Jesus. So somebody will say, oh, me, I serve God in my heart. No. You, can't, you have to decide openly. So the church people, they are all hypocrites. That's why I, mean, I don't like going to church. But Jesus says, whose side are you? And the church, I'll come to the next point. But the name Jesus and the declaration of Jesus as Lord is important. Hallelujah. The second general group of enemies are the enemies of the people of God. The enemies of the people of God. Anybody, sometimes people can be in church or they can be around church and they always have issues that are with the people of God. Now, the people of God, there are different categories of the people of God. Number one is the nation of Israel. There are some people who just hate the nation of Israel, but the people of Israel, by promise, Abrahamic promise, are people of God. Whether the things they do are right or wrong, they are people of God. And people who admire or people who support them, God always gives them favor. It's in the scriptures. I don't want to belabor that point. So anybody who has an agenda to annihilate Israel as a nation, you have an issue with God. You can go far. And anybody who thinks that, oh, by logic, sometimes all the things they do, it doesn't sound okay. But that is that way God, God used them as a model for humankind for many generations. I don't understand. I can't explain why. But that is how it is. That is what we've known. God chose Abraham. And he said, your seed. And he said, your, the, the, and it's not just the spiritual seed, the natural seed also. So when you read the book of Romans in chapter 10 and 11, you see Paul arguing that, has God abandoned Israel? He said, no. He hasn't totally abandoned the nation. 
And it's a mystery. I was discussing with a friend this week, two or, few, two or three days ago. I said, this is a mystery. Since AD 70, when Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans, up to the time of 1948, almost 2,000 years, scattering of the Jews all over the world, how by, UN, by, by, the, by, by the evil work of Hitler in the 30s and 40s, somehow the world was moved with passion to bring the Jews together and to rebuild the nation of Israel. It's a mystery. And today, the geographical nation there, and then this declaration of uh, Trump as Jerusalem, as a capital, it's a mystery. I don't understand it. Politically, it doesn't make sense. But I can't oppose them. I don't know what God is doing. You must understand that you will not understand everything all the time to accept it. Hallelujah. That's why the scripture says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. So anybody who decides, and I don't want to quote many, there are many, many scriptures in the Old Testament. You know, it said, Jacob I loved. Israel, Israel, I hate it. You don't understand. You can't explain it. Israel, I hate it. Sorry. You can't explain it. So you don't, that part of it, leave it to the sovereignty of God. And so anybody who hates Israel, one group, the people of God, number one, Israel. The people of God, number two, spiritual leadership. That we must be careful not to hate. You may disagree from time to time with spiritual leadership, but you must be careful that God keeps your heart that you don't end up hating. Because when you hate spiritual leadership, you are contesting God. Amen. You are fighting God. You may disagree. Pastors and church people, leaders, deacons and all the leaders... They are not angels. They are not angels. We are not angels. Say to err is human. We, 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 uh, to forgive is divine. We are human beings. But we are being graced to function in a certain rule. Hallelujah. And because of the office, the spiritual offices that people of leaders in the kingdom hold, God has a special relationship. And any attack, any enmity against them, if you, if you, if you, if you are so, it may, the person may not even be in this church, the pastor or the bishop or the, you may not like him. Dislike his works. Dislike, you may dislike the things he does, but don't dislike the person. Don't speak against the person in a, in a very painful angry way. When you do that, you are invoking the anger of God. Unless you are spiritually clear that they are operating by demonic power. When you, there is evidence, which I'm coming to shortly, that this one is demonic power. There are people that are, like in the scriptures, you see Peter confronted Simon the sorcerer, that hey, you are full of Satan. When the conviction was there, that's different. But if it's a man of God, a woman of God, a, a person in leadership above you, 
in one way or the other, and they err, we must watch our heart and our tongue. Say amen. Because otherwise, you become an enemy of God. Look at King David dancing and his wife despising him. Just like that, he became, she became an enemy of God. So sometimes when people are in spiritual authority, positions of spiritual authority, including headships in any place, one needs to be very careful. Amen. Enemies of the people of God. Israel. Then the church. Anybody who stands up against the church. When you read the book of Acts chapter 12, the Bible says that, and Herod stood up against the church. Became an enemy of God. And so he said, when he arrested James, he killed him. Then he also arrested Peter. And he kept him in prison. And by the grace of God, the saints prayed for Peter and he came out. Then, the scripture also goes on to say that one day, after he had done something good for the people of Sidon and, Sidon and Tyre, they came and they had a great feast. And when he spoke and they looked, heard his voice, said, this one is not a human being. It's like God. He had already become an enemy of God. He was finished. He was finished. Because he set his mind to finish the church. And over the history, any king, any emperor who has tried to annihilate the church, you can't succeed. Whether the church is in its weak form or strong form, any nation, that's, look at Russia, China, any people who try to, under, uh, 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 to, to eliminate the church, they don't succeed. You become an enemy of God. God will find, God, God will give you time, but He will finish you off in the fullness of time. Amen. So, enemies of God, number two, are those who oppose the people of God. The people of God are leaders, spiritual leaders, the nation of Israel, the church of God. No matter how small they may be, a small congregation, 10, 20 people, they may not be well known. You just, oh, let me just finish this guy. Nobody, no, 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 no. Even one soul, when they finished James, it was an issue. So, and that is also why we must be careful. Sometimes there are spiritual things we don't understand. We don't always, we need to be cautious when we are in, uh, talking, endorsing or condemning or speaking about things that are happening in the kingdom. You need to approach them from the position of authority, from the position of knowledge. There are people whose actions and inactions, where I stand, I will not comment easily. Because I have to do it with caution. Lest I become an enemy of God by just a comment. Amen. And may, the problem is that many of us are in the kingdom, but we don't understand kingdom protocol. Hallelujah. There are commentaries that don't belong to... that. Com, every level, everybody has this level of commentary. If you work in the civil service, you understand. Civil service, you understand. If you have a a lamentation or complaint, you can't just write to the honorable minister. Is that true or not? It's not everybody who can write to the minister straight. There's a chief director, there's a director, there are so many hierarchies. 
You can't just... That's why years ago in Ghana, there was something they call anonymous letters. People will be writing to the minister or the president anonymous letters. These days, we don't hear much about them because are, all the civil society groups have created so many other avenues where you can lodge your complaint. But there are, her- there are ways of dealing with kingdom uh, deviations. That's why even the scripture says, uh, rebuke not an elder. And he talks about the, the other, the other, in dealing with the other people in the church, there's a way of dealing with them. But with the elder, he says, I don't rebuke an elder. Because there's a kingdom protocol. So you don't say to an elder, I can't, I can't. No. Amen. It's not the same. And many times, because we don't understand kingdom protocol, we make mistakes. And we become the enemies of God by default. May God help us. Amen. The next group of people that... So in Acts chapter 12, I talk about Herod. And in fact, in 1 John 5, 1 and 2, let me explain this. It says, He that loveth, loveth him that is begotten of him. If you love God, you will love the children of God. That's what I mean by anybody. If, if, you don't love, if you don't love the children of God, it means that you hate God. So we cannot say, oh, I love the children of God, but I hate, uh, I love God, but I, I hate the children of God. No. The third group is friendship with the world. People that are friends with the world are described in the Bible as enemies of God. Let's look at Romans chapter 8. Or let's look at James 4 4. That one is even quicker. James 4 4. James 4 4. Says that ye adulteress and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now, the the world there in this context is talking about the world system and values. The world system and values. If somebody is obsessed, he's minded. By the world system and values, he automatically becomes an enemy of God. If you are preoccupied, instead of being preoccupied with the with godly system and values, your preoccupation, if it is the worldly system and values, and when you are making a decision, what people will say and what the world will say, how the world will receive you, is more important. When I say the world, the people of the world. And the things that they admire, the things that they appreciate, that's the world system. Hallelujah. There are different definitions of the world in the Bible. One of them also is the, the world's physical things it provides. The, the, the systems, the, the, the world the, and the physical things it provides. For example, the world provides us with education. The world provides us with, 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 with money, business. The world provides us with, for example, marriage. The world provides us with family, uh, socialization, funeral, all of these things. It's part of the fa- world system that we, are, we find ourselves in. And our culture manifests through those things. That all of these things are in themselves not bad. They are not bad. But when a person is preoccupied with them, 
as against being preoccupied with what God's agenda is, then he or she has an, becomes an enemy of God. Hallelujah. When a person's decision-making process, he or she makes decisions based on acceptance by the people and the, the system of the world. Money is all that drives the things you do or who you relate to and how you respond. Or social acceptance and preeminence becomes the driving force for the things you do. What motivates you to do the things you do? What do we, what, why do we do the things we do? And it can even be in church. People can be in church and their drive is that I want to make Mr. Nipa happy. Or I want so so and so to accept me. That mindset is anti-God. It makes you an enemy of God. Because God loves the preeminence. He doesn't want Mr. A or B or C to be the reason for your coming to church or for the reason for your giving or sharing or loving or serving. So when you serve based on that, that motivation, you have become an enemy of God. Hallelujah. Let's explain it further when we look at Romans. You see, the whole thing about uh, this one is about mindset. Romans chapter 8, verse 4 to 7. Mindset. What are you minded by? What preoccupies you? What takes your attention? What motivates you to do the things you do? It says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled to us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Verse six, verse 5. Sorry. For they that are in the flesh do mind. Look at the word there. Do mind. Or pay at, the, the language is mind. What takes your attention? Do mind. They pay attention to. You, see, you can be there. Mosquito can be biting you. You don't. You, you are, well, like a soldier who is when they are doing the funeral of gen, uh, generals and they are standing in front there, there are four of them. They don't, a mosquito can be biting you, but you haven't, or the one at the uh, uh, Buckingham Palace, those ones, mosquitoes or insects come around them. He, he, his mind, he is not minded by that. He can't say, like you and I would do. <laughs> Hallelujah. We will just knock the mosquito and say, but, but he can, hey, the sentinel at the Buckingham Palace or at the, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, this uh, uh, parliament in UK, or the, 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 the number 10 Downing Street area there. You see them with their black thing, they're just there, like statue. For the one hour or 30 minutes they are there, they're just there. They should not mind People can be teasing, people can be laughing, a car can scream, hey, come close. They, don't, they, they are not minded by all of the attractions. Because they are on duty. Hallelujah. The moment they become, they change, their loyalty has shifted from the protection of the Union Jack, the British flag, which is called Union Jack, to themselves. You, are, you have you lost your job. Or the protection of the queen or the king to their job. They've lost to themselves. They lost their job. So, he says, for they that are after the flesh, do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. It means they are minded, they are guided, they are decision making, they are attraction, they are focus, their motivation is the spirit. 
Now, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now go on to. Because the carnal mind, this is it. The carnal mind, the, the natural mind, the human normal mind is enmity against God. We are talking about enemies of God. So it means that if you are a child of God and all you think about is how you can be happy, how you can enjoy, how you can get, you are, you are drawing towards something which is dangerous. I'm not saying the child of God, even though the word of God says that joy of the Holy Ghost and we receive joy, peace and, and, and all of that in the Holy Ghost is true. But you see, when you become preoccupied with your satisfaction and your comfort and your everything and, and the, the, the way the world gives, understands joy, peace and all of that. Because much as he says that in Christ you have joy, the Holy Ghost shed about in the heart, the joy of the Lord, the love of the Lord. He also says that in this world you have tribulation and yet be of good cheer. Amen. So it says, the carnal mind, the one who wants to make the, please the world system, who wants all his drive is to, to make the world system work. in his favor, is actually an enemy of God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. In other words, because of the motivation of, let's say, money, or the motivation of power, or the motivation of certain things that uh, the world looks up to, you can defy all odds. There's no restraint, there's no guidance. Because I want this by all means. I have to define. There's no sense of conscience. That's what he's saying. Our conscience dies. We become insensitive to any message. It's like a car which the brake is, 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 is destroyed. You are going, you are going. They are saying, stop, stop, that you are going. Because somehow the carnal mind doesn't hear. The, the voice of God is spiritual. And because carnality is running, we don't hear Hallelujah. Neither indeed can be. It's not subject to the law of God. The law of God is the one that is saying that the, the police or whoever is saying, stop, 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 stop. But when the carnality is there, it's very difficult to even hear or to subdue ourselves to the law of God. Amen. So three things. Attitude. Three things. Friendship with the world is actually enmity um, with God. And I've explained that. And Paul writes it in a better way when he says in Philippians 3.19 that whose God is their belly. It's all about how to, not food as such, but how to just satisfy ourselves. May, may, it has to be this way for me. How to enjoy it. When that becomes a drive for life, we are treading on enmity with God. The fourth friendship that can create problems for us in terms of our relationship with God in enmity is friendship with Satan. And Jesus told Peter in Matthew 16, 22 to 23. When Jesus took, took about the, his, his death, then said, uh, Peter took him aside and the Bible said, and he rebuked him. And Jesus saw that what he was saying 
He was saying it not from the spirit. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. Where is it? Matthew 16, 22-23. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord. Sometimes, some of the seemingly nice, sweet words or support and encouragement that we get is not, can, can, can actually be enmity against God. It's not every time that uh, what we call sweet words or sweet support really represents support for, from God. Are you with me? It's not every time that when God is okay, it means that, oh, it is pleasant, nice things. No. Peter meant well. Master, you are going to say you go and die. Don't die. You to be well with you. Don't you know you don't say that you're going to die. You make it. It's not a nice it, it sounds like he's helping Jesus. But look at the voice behind it. Hallelujah. So sometimes some of the things that may sound difficult, in actual fact, they may be God's remedy. Hallelujah. Sometimes. So the scripture said, Peter took him aside. He thought he was helping Jesus. But Jesus said, No! Even though you look like a caring brother, in reality, you are being used by Satan. You are a friend of Satan. It sounds like a caring sister. It sounds like, oh, when the, the, the situation came, somebody comes and says, oh, sister, I understand your situation. And this one, I've been there. And love, and, but the thing they are encouraging you to do, and the stand they are encouraging you to take, is it's a position of enmity against God. But you, 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 because you have an expectation, and it ties into your expectation, you say, oh, it's true. She's the one who has the message. She's the one. So when I, I was going through this, it, it, she who encouraged me. What you call encouragement in the sight of the Lord is rather dangerous. Provocation of enmity. This is Peter took him and began to rebuke him. And what was he rebuking? No, don't die. Don't go and allow yourself. You have the power to, to, to work a miracle. When they come, let's go here or let's just blind all of them. Or maybe send angels. Let's defeat them and let's go to Rome. Take over from Caesar. Then let's run the system. That's how Peter saw it. He was short-sighted. He didn't see our redemption. And I'm very sure that if he had asked the other disciples, the eleven, they all have voted and said, we support. Peter is speaking for us. Because we all want the bread to continue. We all want the miracles to take place. We all want things to work our way. How can you come with such an exhortation? Telling us that you are going to be taken over by the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the high priests and they will take you. No. That's not what we came to hear. We came to hear that you are, you are now, the, you are spoken to Father God 
and a legion of angels, the, 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 the squad, the marines of heaven. <laughs> you know, you guys have, they have, they have, they have marines. And they, they have the other one that went to uh, kill Osama Bin Laden. What do you call them? What? Seals. Seals. They can, within one, 30 minutes, they can perform an operation. And the whole country, Ghana, they'll finish us in, one, in 30 minutes. <laughs> Only 10 of them. They'll just give one seal, one region. And they have vowed, they've signed their death warrant and everything they prepared. They don't care. They have insured their family. Everybody knows that. They, when they, they may come or they may not come. And they come and they, they often excel. They bring seals. Why don't you bring heavenly seals? Don't bring the normal angels. Bring the seals. So that when they appear, Rome will, will... By the time Rome comes, oh, you've taken over. And when you get there, remember me, Peter says, make me minister of finance. This one says, make me a, a, a bank of Ghana, bank, bank governor. Not Ghana, bank of England or... Uh, 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 what do you call it? The U.S. Yes, the Treasury. No, no, the Treasury is too small. You want the one that uh, the man uh, Alan Greenspan was uh, the, 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 the the banks. You want that Federal Reserve? Yes, I want to be the president of Federal Reserve. I want that one. I don't want. I don't want this small, small Ghana Bank of Ghana is too small. <laughs> Federal Reserve, where they have bankers in places like Arizona. Strange, strange places. The monies are hiding there. They are printing more. Gold is hiding there. In the deserts of Phoenix. Play all, all places. Uh, Nevada. <laughs> when you are traveling in a place, you see them you, in the middle of nowhere. A lonely road. And small narrow road you see gadgets moving there and you have a small heliport that's where they keep all their things a whole city is surviving under there I remember one time I went to Washington and somebody took me to the state department my god you have no idea every door looks the same if the person doesn't take you out you get lost. It's be like it's like our Ashanti policies. You don't cut your head. Most of our policies, you you can't go to the palace alone, because all the policies, most of the policies are designed as a maze. You know a maze. You can't you you can't come out. When you go, the doors are all the same. I think I don't know who learned from whom, but in the State Department, hey, and the basement is a whole city. Shopping mall, they have their everything self sufficient. Everything works. Hallelujah. Over there. So these disciples were preaching that, oh Jesus, don't go. Let's enjoy what is here. But it was against the plan of God. Amen. So friendship with the world. Friendship with Satan. And that ties in with his agents. There are many people who are believers but don't lack the discernment to know false religion. Satan has got agents. How do I become an enemy of God? 
you can become an enemy of God by identifying or giving solidarity to a messenger of Satan. Aligning through physical friendship or through heart commitment. You watch TV, you are obsessed, you can't pick the thing that a messenger of Satan is saying or doing. And sometimes even some believers, some, I see pastors defending messengers of Satan. Read the scripture, you see that you become an enemy of God by identification, by, soci- by, by identity, by association. Guilty by association. Many of us, because we lack discernment, that's why I said we're dealing with, this is the unconscious enmity. You can be consciously an enemy of God, but the, most many of the things I'm saying are unconscious enmity. Where you, because of our ignorance, because of our naivety, because we just think that oh, we walk sentimentally, because of the, the way we are minded, we end up being an enemy of God. Before long, there's a wrath. That's why we need to be cautious. Amen. In the book of Acts. A man, in chapter 13, a man called by Jesus was seated by a king or a proconsul. And he was, when the brethren were preaching, Paul and co were preaching, he was dissuading the proconsul from accepting Jesus. He was opposed, he was having a false religion, the same as the Acts chapter 8, the, the man, Simon the sorcerer. He was against God. He was against Christ. So false religion or any friend of Satan, if you defend him or support him or you, 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 you receive his services, you, you, you endorse the services or you, you, you think, oh, it's nothing. That's why I, even when it comes to medical treatment, I'm, I'm, we are cautious about some of the new Asian acupuncture and all of these treatments, if you are not careful, you will find out yourself being a defender of a messenger of Satan without knowing that you are actually supporting uh, something. Homeopathy, chiropractic, and all of these things. Many of these things have some other roots other than Christ. If you, if you do care to search, you will know what I'm talking about. This is not the time to talk about that. But I know for fact that many of these things are like that. And sometimes unconsciously we become enemies of God through ignorance. And you see it in the, in the parable of the, the talents. Jesus gave the, the, the talents to people in chapter 25 of Matthew. And one man went to hide. And when he, when he was questioned, when the master came, he said, I thought that you are a very hard master. His own imagination, he was acting on his own imagination. It was not true. So there are many things that we identify or we take, steps we take, which are not based on God's direction. And that can put us in a position of enmity with God. Say amen. And another thing is indifference. Sometimes through our indifference, you know that a thing is not good or you're, you don't have, you don't make, you don't care. Oh, anyway, some of us, everything we support. Through your indifference and wavering, you can be an enemy of God. Because there are certain things that sometimes God expects us to speak about or to take action about or to take, draw from or to commit, commit to. So if you don't commit to, what well, you have to commit to? 
or you don't take a step back when you have to take a step back, or when you don't, you have to comment and you say, oh, me, this one is your own matter. When you have to say it, when it's in your power and in your position, in your, God expects you to act for Him, you can be an enemy of God through that ignorance, through that indifference, through supporting Him, and through supporting rebellion. Amen. Now, let me quickly run down through some specific enemies that the God Himself in the Scriptures speaks about. Number one, in James 4, 6, God says he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So if somebody is proud and you are dealing with ourselves, if I begin to manifest pride, I need to ask God for mercy. Hallelujah. Amen. She's seen it as a game, cry. Hallelujah. Uh, okay, allow. Relax her small, Shuku. Amen. All right. Yeah, you've been caught. Praise the Lord. Pride. Now, one of the things, James 4, 6 talks about this. It's one way to avoid pride, walking in pride, is always do a lot of self-examination. Especially when I say self-examination, in comparison to other people and to God. If you want to be humble, anytime you see, you are, you are thinking, you are, you, are, you are analyzing with people, you are looking at people, try to practice, place yourself in that, in it, and make sure that if something is telling you that you are higher than the person, let the Holy Spirit tell you that no, you are, you are no, no so, so special. When you are able to win that battle continuously, God will help you to be humble. Pride comes when you, continuously, you feed your mind that you are superior. Your skills, your knowledge, your, your background, your things that you have, and your, your, your rights, your everything, you are superior. There's a sense of more value than other people. When you think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, then pride sets in. So one way of helping, tra- tra- training ourselves in humility is always drop, pin the relational importance. Number two is valuing less whatever you have accomplished and have done in life. Put less premium. That, oh, I have have so much money. I built a house. And understand that, oh, all these things. I came to the world naked. So I could have gone gone, So how did I come by this? When you, you do that examination... You look at your classmates from primary school and I could have been some of them are drunk and some of them are we smoking. Hey, so how could I, I, then you see God will speak to you, then you you know value so much your position, a job, your age. Some of people pride themselves, they don't have anything, but they pride themselves in their age, they pride themselves in their tribe. Pride, and all of, when you sit down, you say, Ah, you, did you choose your tribe? Did you choose your family? When you begin to you see it's, it's self examination is very critical in working in humility. Because when we walk in pride, God becomes our enemy. The Bible says God resists or God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Amen. So, and, and it means that to be humble is a conscious decision. And humility is not by what you wear, how you look. Oh. It is a state of the heart. It's a posturing of the heart. 
That's why God can look into the heart of a man or woman and say, this person, even though he or she may go to church, may be worshipping, may be praying in tongues, may do all these things, they, God can say, no, this one, no. Look at the publican and the, 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 Pharisee, uh, the Pharisee. So he was going to church, but he was proud. Hallelujah. So it's possible that we also, who are coming to church, may be expecting pride. So we need to do consistent, even in spiritual judgment. Sometimes you can, you can say, oh, this one, I'm more spiritual than him or her. I am more this. You can be doing that. If you don't, don't do self-examination. The enemy will make you believe a lie. Then you'll be proud. And it will affect your attitude. Hallelujah. But the worst part of it is that you, you will then become an enemy of God. And it's better to be an enemy of a man than to be the enemy of God. Say amen. So proud people are people that God hates. And there are many scriptures to support that. But I'll just give you James. Hypocrisy or not being yes, not being no, double standards. When you look at Matthew 23, verse 27, 28. It says, woe. He talks about the Pharisees. Hypocrisy attracts the anger of God. You become an enemy. When you say woe, it means that woe unto the scribes and Pharisees. Hallelujah. And again, it's something that by personal examination and self, you know, introspection, God can grant you the grace to overcome. Amen. Ingratitude. People who are ungrateful can easily become the enemies of God. And it starts with little, little things. People give you a gift. You don't think that, like after all, what? People give, little, little thank you, thank you. Little greeting uh, to an elder. Thanking God in prayer. Gratitude. Thanking God in the morning, thanking God in the evening, thanking God for uh, thanking people who do things for you, even helpers like uh, uh, house helps and uh, those are the things. When you don't cultivate that habit of being grateful for every anything that comes your way, you get to a point where you'll be ungrateful to God. And Romans one twenty one talks about it. The Jews. When they were ungrateful to God, all the things that God gave them, they were ungrateful. So then God gave them up and they became enemies of God. So we need to look, say, because when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imagination and foolish heart was darkened. So when you don't become grateful, God gives up and then you, you be the opposite side of God, which means that you become an enemy of God. Amen. May God help us. Forgetful people are people who can easily become enemies of God. Forgetful not in academic forgetfulness. Otherwise, you will all be enemies of God. Because one, one, you, it's not all the exams you wrote in your life that you passed. It means that some of the exams, when they said the questions, you forgot. Amen. Some of the exams, you just got 51%, but you still made it. <laughs> it means you forgot 49% of the answers. Or you didn't know 49%. Amen. But we are talking about conscious forgetfulness. Deliberate forgetfulness. Where you have overlooked 
what God or people of God or people, even, even unbelievers. God can use unbelievers to be a blessing to your life. And you forget. When you are forgetful, like the man in Matthew 25, 24, 26, the one who was given the talents, he forgot his master. He said, the master is wicked. The master is, is mean. He forgot. And the master wasn't because he gave the other two double what they, 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 they got. The one with five, he got five more. The one with two, he got two more. So if you had done one with yours, you would have had one more. But you are saying that the master was wicked. You didn't know him, number one. Ignorance. You pay the price for ignorance. Then you also have to pay the price for forgetfulness. When we lose our eye off the ball in the kingdom, we can easily become enemies of God. Why are you in church? Don't forget why you are in church. Why are you a member of CFCC? Don't forget where you came from. Not us in church, but in terms of state. How we were. Me, every day by the grace of God, I'm still trying. I'm trying hard. There is no day when I, you know, that there are things and people that every day I wake up and I come to church or I'm in the house and I open my mouth, I try to remember. One of them is my grandmother. I can't forget my grandmother. Amen. I can't forget. So when you remember people and the roles they have played in your life, and you, 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 you can't forget, it keeps you focused. But if you are forgetful, you can easily be an enemy of God. Because you, become, you can easily be proud. You can easily assume new uh, roles. Hallelujah. And, and operate as if nobody, you just came from the moon. No. We all, we came from somewhere. And if I'm able to hold the mic, it's alien to my, 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 my what do you call it? My clan. <laughs> it's alien to my clan. I don't know what that is. is it, you ask why you have a soft father or something like that. So you are not bad. <laughs> but me, it's alien to me. That I'm here. I'm, I'm from Tigari background. I've seen that we used to dance, go and eat the food. You understand? So if I'm standing here and I'm, I'm not doing Tigari dance, I'm not looking at all, and I'm standing in the church, it's, a, it's, a, it's, 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 it's amazing. It's amazing. I have to think about them. And when I think about it, I know that God has done something for me. Amen. So if, if I, anything that I have or I'm able to do, I'm reminded of where I've come from spiritually and all. So I know that's just by grace. And it, it, will, it will put you, make you humble. Amen. You, but there are people too who are poor and still they are very proud. Hallelujah. They haven't accomplished anything. They haven't seen anything, but still they are proud at heart. That's also dangerous. Amen. But you see, don't be forgetful. You must not forget people who help you along the line as you grow in life. In your difficult moment, don't forget. Many church people become the enemies of God because of forgetfulness. So, with the people that God used to help us, we rather destroy them. We badmouth them. We show arrogance. And God says, finished. I can't trust you with more. Become an enemy of God. 
Tell your neighbor, don't be forgetful. Don't another group of people that God has made his enemies, which he has written, I'm not, are rebels. Rebels. Give me Luke 19 verse 27. As I wind up quickly. Hurry up. Luke 19. And but those my enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. Hallelujah. The king who traveled, and when he left his that they should take over, they should take care of the place. They didn't. They said, Ah, he's taking too long. He said, Those my rebels. Rebellion is something the scripture says as the sin of witchcraft. And rebellion at any level. Some people are rebellious at school. Some people are rebellious in, at home. Some people are rebellious in church. Some people are rebellious at work. Anywhere that there is rebellion, God is not happy. See, why God is not happy with rebellion is that it, it reminds him of what Satan did. And God doesn't like any repetition and it's just the same spirit which God doesn't like divorce. It's the same thing when he says God hates divorce. It's the same principle. Because, you know, Satan was divorced from God through the rebellion. Idolatry is the same thing. The same anger and, and principle and value system that God used against idolatry is the same thing. That he says rebellion and all of these things that he hates, they are all in the same mood. Hallelujah. They, they reenact negative things that happened that should not happen in heaven. The rebellion of Satan. So that is why we must be careful not to remind God of that painful moment. Hallelujah. Divisive people. Romans sixteen seventeen says, Mark those who cause divisions among you. And avoid them. Avoid. A-V-O-I-D. Avoid. What does it mean to avoid? Some of us, we are so loving more than Christ, that when they say, mark them. Number one, you should mark them. A divisive person must be marked. Not them. Shannon Snow. Know that this sister, know that this brother... He is always promoting division. So I know you. Then I have to avoid you. I have to make sure that I, don't, I keep a reasonable, decent distance <laughs> so that I don't become converted. But you are brother love or sister love more than Jesus. The person Jesus said, mark them. Oh, I love you. Because I'm brother love. I love you more than Jesus loves you. You are contesting Jesus' love. You are trying to say that you love. You cannot outdo him in love. Then you become an enemy. Amen. So there are kingdom protocols. That needs to be observed. One of them is that those who cause the... If you know that this brother or this sister is a rebellious person who causes divisions... It's not like go and quarrel with them. But it says, mark them and avoid them. Avoid. 
So if you if they are coming and you you, you can avoid you avoid you say okay peace and bless you avoid, hallelujah. Don't engage them in this long chats and trying to be like you are the one who is sympathetic. You understand them. You are trying to win them and all those things. Because sometimes when you, in your bid to do that, you fuel more acrimony and animosity. Anger, evil. You, 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 you make them sometimes even feel justified in the rebellion, in the confusion. So sometimes it's safe to just avoid them so that God will have his own way, deal with them and sort it out. But if you say, oh, I'm brother love or sister love, Above what Jesus has said. Do you think that Paul was not writing by revelation when he said it in Romans 16, 17? Mark those who call. So if you know a brother, you know a sister, a friend, somebody who is causing division among brethren. It's not something that nobody is promoting division. No. It's a clear biblical principle. Because you yourself, you can be contaminated. You are not safe. So you need to make a conscious effort to keep the space. Say amen. And last but not the least, backsliders. God doesn't like backsliders. God hates backsliding. That's why whenever we run dry and we feel we need, we need to quickly go back. We don't have to wait and be in the valley for too, so long. Roman, uh, uh, Hebrews 10.38 Hebrews 10.38 He says, The just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. That means I become your enemy. God has become your enemy. When you draw back, when you start to exert, so now we have to look at ourselves from time to time. I used to be preach, pray a lot. I used to study the word of God a lot. I used to come to church. No, we're not shine. My, my, my common entrance teacher, the motto he told us, rain or shine, 100%. I've never forgotten it, Mr. Champo. F-O-B-A, a champo. Frank Ousu Berma, a champo. <laughs> rain or shine, 100%. Rain or shine, I want to serve the Lord. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes the circumstances, sometimes your pocket is dry. Sometimes church is not as sweet as you expect it to be. Sometimes brethren are not as loving as you expect them to be. But he says that don't let your soul draw back. Because when your soul draws back, you become an enemy of God. My soul will have no pleasure in him. If you draw back, if you, 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 you get, you, 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 you backslide. The things you used to do from a good heart, you do it grudgingly. You used to give. Now all the giving has, has slowed down. You used to be, be visit brethren. You don't visit. You used to pay attention to the word of God. You don't read the word. You used to pray for brethren. You don't do it again. And you say, oh, this one did that to me. And that one did that. And that one did that. And when you do it, even they don't acknowledge. And this one, you have many, a catalog of reasons why you should not do what made you show that you were on fire. You don't want to be an enemy of God. Tell your neighbor, don't be an enemy of God. So as we conclude, we want to be friends with God. Turn around our enmity by number one. How do you overturn your enmity to make God your friend? Number one, be reconciled. Second Corinthians 5, 
We talked about reconciliation. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 talks about the fact that through Jesus Christ, we've been made new, we've been renegotiated, we're connected to him. Our old man is gone. Number two, true repentance. Even though Jesus has done his work, you and I, we have a job to do, and our job is that we need to repent. When you read the book of Jonah, Nineveh, when he went to tell them about their condition, they repented. The king declared their fast. He said, even animals should fast. Even animals fasted. Hallelujah. And they all repented. When you read Acts, you see it the same way. So, Paul told, uh, Peter told um, um, Simon in Acts 8.22, he said, repent so that evil doesn't come to you. So, when there is repentance, God will make a way. And then last but not the least, intercession. We pray one for the other. When you look at the story of Abraham in the, um, now, uh, in the book of um, Genesis 18, Lot. It, t- it took Abraham's intercession to save Lot. It took Moses' intercession to save Israel in Numbers 21. When he said, God said, okay, then whoever looks at this serpent will be saved. It was Moses' intercession. Sometimes people need to make intercession for us. Sometimes pastors need to make intercession. Sometimes brethren, husbands, wives, uh, people who are in authority spiritually can make intercession for us so that God will have mercy on us. As we pray, we pray for mercy. That Lord, wherever we have angered you, have mercy on us. Lord, hear our prayer. Let us pray. Say something to God and if in any way God's word touched you and you feel that God must restore you, I don't know where he touched you, but I know that he has touched you somehow. Ask the Lord, that Lord, I need your mercy. I need your grace. I need to be connected. I need to be restored. I need grace, oh Lord. By association, some of us have found ourselves as enemies of God. Because we defended and supported things that were not right. People that were doing wrong things. And we thought that, oh, is is, is their right? Is their right? No. Talk to God and say, Lord, I withdraw in my heart from that. It's wrong. I've seen it. It's not good. Show me the way to go. Some of us have been forgetful. Even though God used things and people, systems to bring us to a point, we just like to live as though nothing, nobody, I just came from nowhere, I made it. It offends God when we forget his works. Say, bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not his benefits. Pride, rebellion, divisions. Pray that the Lord will help you. Consciously or unconsciously, you don't want to be an enemy of God. I want to be a friend of God. I want to be a friend of God. I want to be a friend of God. I want you to also be a friend of God. If I've taken any step that has affected my friendship with God, my mindset, your mindset, and a, a wrong attitude, a wrong posturing can make you an enemy of God. May God help us, Lord, to reposition our attitude, our mindset, 
to conform in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you have heard the cry of your people. Restore unto us the joy of serving you. In Jesus' name, amen.